I've said this before, if you have to miss either this Sunday or next Sunday, don't miss next Sunday. Okay? Uh, I'm going to have some friends here next Sunday. I've got a, what used to call it a supper eight group where we'd meet together on Thursday nights and we'd have a meal together. Well, it's grown into about 18 or 20. And uh, they decided last week they wanted to come out here to Oak Grove and hear me preach. Most of them are Highland people. Most of them are. And so uh, I noticed these front couple of pews here are empty. Maybe we could uh, let them sit there so they could get a full blast. Yeah, they get a full blast. But um, they, they said they wanted to come out. And so I think I've got five more weeks or something like that with you guys. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it, but um, on September the 18th, I will have been here 24 Sundays. Time goes by fast, unless you got your head under the water. It goes go by real slow then, but... Uh, <laughs> isn't it good to see these young people here this morning? Look at this whole row of... Young people over here, that's great. You know, statistically, and you guys aren't going to be a part of that statistic. You're going to stop that statistic, okay? But statistically, about half the people, that, young people that grow up in church, by their sophomore year in college, they dropped out of church completely. And you guys are going to stop. You're not, you're, you guys aren't going to do that, right? Amen? Okay. Open your Bible to the book of 1 John, one of my all-time favorite little books. Uh, back when I was younger, and I had a better memory than I do today, my wife always used to ask me, she said, how come you can memorize Scripture, but you can't remember the trash goes out on Monday? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but, uh, but when I was younger... I remember when I was in, uh, taking Greek, and I, I memorized the book of 1 John in Greek. And it, it was such a gift from God that I, I really couldn't take credit for it because I, I found myself just reading something and then being able to just, you know, recite what I just read without a whole lot of effort. Now, again, as I get older, I can't do that like I used to, but, but 1 John is one of my very favorite books of the Bible. And I want to begin reading in 1 John chapter 6, and then we'll read through the rest of the chapter. And listen to the, the expressions, if we say, if we say. See, it's not what we say, it's what we do that really counts. But listen to what it says in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. And the truth is not in us, or we don't practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we, say that we have no, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth's not in us. I, th I think I've told you this before, but I, I'm alarmed today at the number of preachers that are saying that this passage of Scripture is not for Christians. The book of 1 John was not written for Christians, it was written for unbelievers. But if you look at the pronouns that he uses, if we say, if we, if we, he's talking about believers, 
And if it's true, and, and one of my dear friends that uh, I've known for, for years, uh, he, he believes that now. He teaches that. That 1 John 1, 9 is, is not for Christians, it's for non-Christians. Well, if that's true, then there are two plans of salvation today. Because there's nothing in this passage that says you have to accept Christ as your Savior. There's nothing in this passage that says you have to repent. It just says that we confess our sin, He forgives us. So that means that, that we got one plan of salvation that says all you have to do is confess your sin. Another plan of salvation that says, no, you have to confess your sin, but you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So be careful about those who are saying that this is not for believers. I believe it is for believers. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I were to label, if I were to have a title for the message today, it would be this. Let's take our lives back for we have been held in bondage by not forgiving ourselves. You know, last Sunday I talked about forgiveness. And uh, forgiving someone else is much easier than forgiving ourselves. Because you see, when we're forgiving someone else, we're, we're, we're forgiving them for a violation that they did, something that, that we feel like they did to us or, or someone we love. But when, when we forgive ourselves, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And it's, more, it's more difficult to do that. Uh, this may come as a surprise to you. Now, if you were here last Sunday and I talked about the drunk driver that killed my daughter, uh, I, I know I visited one family this morning that said they weren't here last Sunday. I talked about the, the drunk driver that killed my daughter, and I forgave that man and led him to Christ. But um, the easiest person to forgive in that situation was him. The hardest person to forgive in that situation was me. I struggled for a long time forgiving myself. They say, well, Pastor, what did you have to forgive yourself for? Last Sunday, I said the accident happened in 1991. My son watches this service online in Oklahoma. He called me after service and said that. It wasn't 91, it was 81. I told you my memory's not as good as it used to be. Um, in 1981, cars had seat belts, but you weren't required to wear them. And they weren't full straps like we have today. They're, most of them were just little things around your waist. And I didn't wear one. I didn't encourage my family to wear them. I didn't get in the car and say, kids, buckle your seatbelt. So my daughter didn't have on a seatbelt. And I felt the blame for that. I, I should have emphasized it. Even though it wasn't a law, I felt, I felt blame for that. Uh, at that time, we had two cars. We had a large car family car, and we had a small car. And I don't know why it happened this way, but I ended up driving the large car. And my, my wife ended up, and the kids ended up driving the small car. Well, when the wreck happened, they were in the small car. I struggled with that. I said, why, why, why was I so stupid? Why did I put them in the large car and me drive the small car? Maybe if she had been in the large car she wouldn't have been killed. And then the, to add to that, I, I, was, I, I taught and still teach 
The Bible says no one can enter the strong man's realm and ransack his goods if he first binds the strong man. After he's bound the strong man, then he can ransack his goods. The husband is the strong man of the family. Before he can come in and ransack your family, he has to bind you. He does that two ways. He does it out of ignorance, and he does it out of willful sin. A lot of men, a lot of men don't know to get up in the morning and do what Job did. The Bible says Job got up every morning and offered a sacrifice for every one of his children. He even offered a sacrifice in the event that one of them had sinned a sin that he was unaware of. And so when Satan came along and God said, have you considered my servant Job? You remember what Satan said? He said, yes, but you've hedged him about. I can't get to him. You'll have to take the hedge down. So I struggled. God, was there some kind of secret sin in my life? Something that uh, I was doing or not doing that I should have been doing. So for a long time, I, I really struggled with, with unforgiveness. And uh, all these thoughts and other thoughts raced through, through my mind constantly. And I thought about, you know, God could have prevented that. I never, ever blamed God for the wreck. Never. God's not the author of death. He's the author of life. But I kept thinking, you know, he could have prevented it. And he didn't. And there are many other people that have the same struggles I have with that. Uh, in Paul Meyer's book, that I, I quoted our family story. Paul was, a, Paul was a good friend of mine. We didn't live that far apart, but our houses were far apart. I mean, you know, Paul was a multimillionaire. I was not only in his house uh, there by the lake, but I was also in his home in the Cayman Islands. We went over and visited he and his family in the Cayman Islands. So Paul and I discussed a great deal that's in this book. Now, by no means, by no means am I claiming to be the co-author with him, but we discussed this. But in, in his book, he lists uh, several reasons why it's hard for us to forgive ourselves. And I want to go down through these, just read them. Not, they need very little explanation. Uh, number one, you can justify the actions of others, but not your own. It's, it's hard to justify your own actions. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can judge theirs. You still feel guilty regardless of what others say. Others will tell you, well, you just need to forgive yourself, but still feel guilty. You cannot accept failure. Now, that's a big one for a lot of people. They just can't accept failure. You have to live, uh, you have to live with yourself. Yes, that's true. Number five, you cannot escape your past constantly haunting you. Number six, you, you can give grace, but you cannot receive it. Well, that's so true. A lot of people could give it, but cannot receive it. Number seven, you couldn't possibly pay, pay for what you did. There's no way to go back and uh, pay for it, what you did. I, uh, I guess if you stole money from the bank, you, could, you ought to take that back. But uh, anyway, number eight, you feel it's your duty to punish yourself. That's a biggie. I know a lot of people that have a hard time forgiving themselves because they feel like they have to punish themselves for what they did. 
Number nine, your mind will not stop replaying the, inc- the accident or the incident. And I'll talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, you don't feel worthy of forgiveness. I hear that probably more than anything else. Well, Barry, I just don't feel worthy to be forgiven for what I did. Number 11, you don't believe, you, uh, you don't believe others and God have really forgiven you. I didn't have others to forgive me. I only had God to forgive me. Number, number 12, you, refer, you refuse to forgive others. Well, obviously, if you're going to refuse to forgive others, you're going to refuse to forgive yourself. And then number uh, 13, you simply don't know how. And I think that's true of a lot of people. They, they, they simply don't know how to uh, to forgive. Forgiving ourselves, again, is, uh, is the most hard, hard, it's the hardest thing to do. I'm absolutely convinced. Uh, but when we don't forgive ourselves, we don't complete the circle of forgiveness. I, I think there's kind of a, a circle of forgiveness. There's the offense, and then there's the forgiveness, uh, not the forgiveness, but the restitution, if possible, and then there's the forgiveness. And we don't complete the circle until we forgive ourselves. There is no forgiveness until we forgive ourselves. Thus, we don't receive the benefits of forgiveness until we forgive ourselves. So I want to look with you real quickly this morning for a little while about what are some of the benefits of forgiving ourselves? Well, last week I talked about the benefits of forgiving others. And really there's an overlap there. But I want to talk specifically today about the benefits of forgiving ourselves. Uh, Once we forgive ourselves, there there comes a sense of peace that we have again. So I came to the place, and and I'm not going to tell you how long it was. I don't remember how long it was, but uh, I had a real struggle having peace in my life because uh, it seemed seemed like every time it came up in my mind, I, I had this horrible regret. And I told you the story last week about this man in Oklahoma that uh, he was a good guy, friendly guy. I loved to be around him until we talked about a certain subject. But because the church would never recognize him as a deacon, because his wife had been divorced, you know, there's scriptural, biblical grounds for divorce, by the way. Years ago, she had been, she divorced, and, and they interpreted the scripture, husband of one wife, meaning that your wife cannot... So anyway, he, he was overlooked, and it, it, it upset him. And he was a great guy to be around until that came up. Now, one time I was in an airplane with him, and he was flying, and it came up. And I thought I was going to have to land the plane. I mean, he turned red face. He, he, I, I said, look, let's, you know, let's don't talk about this. Let's get this plane on the ground, and then we'll talk about this some more. But uh, Jesus said when he forgives us, he sets us free, free from the past, free from the, well, free from the hurt, I believe that. But when does, how does he set us free? He sets us free when we set others free, when we forgive others. And again, that includes ourselves. It brings a sense of peace. Uh, I don't know how you, but I remember as a husband, I wasn't always the most perfect person, and my wife knew that. My kids knew I wasn't the perfect father. And there were times I'd just have to go to them or to her and say, I messed up. 
and will you forgive me? And uh, I, I, I never forget. It's like somebody pours just water over you. You just feel refreshed, and there's a sense of peace. Well, if that comes because somebody else forgives you, it can also come when we forgive ourselves. And that's something that we, we need to do. So there's a sense of peace that comes. And again, I've never known a person that's it's at total peace with themselves until that forgiveness is complete, whether it's somebody else or them. Number two, it brings freedom from guilt. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes when I do something wrong and I've not gotten forgiveness for it yet, I feel, I feel dirty. I just feel unclean. If, I, if I've offended someone, I, I don't feel complete until I go to that person and say, look, I'm sorry. Please find it in your heart to, to forgive me for that. But, uh, but, you know, Satan doesn't play fair. Have you ever noticed that? What Satan will do is convict, he will try to tempt you to sin. Then once, he, once you sin, then he'll try to put guilt on you for doing it. And the only thing that's going to release that guilt is going to be forgiveness. If you're married, and I have found in marriage the most beautiful words I've ever heard are, I forgive you. And there's, some of, there's a marriage here today that's need, that needs to be said. Either a wife or a husband has violated the marriage vows. And somebody needs to hear the words, I forgive you. Because that's the only way you'll ever be completely restored. Now guilt will drive us to repentance. Sometimes guilt is good, it'll drive us to repentance, but it needs to drive us to the place where we forgive ourselves and confess our wrongs. Because if we don't, what it'll cause is ulcers, sleepless nights, guilt. Um, but there's something about that feeling of forgiveness. Whether you release it to someone or somebody releases it to you, that just makes that guilt go away. It goes away. Number three, freedom to uh, quit listening to that uh, instant replay. You know, I, I'm convinced that ESPN did not invent instant replay. The devil did. And the devil loves to play instant replay. He loves to bring up that tape uh, that, that you did something wrong. He loves to bring it up. Uh, you remember the movie Groundhog Day? I love that movie. I, I watch it every Groundhog Day. <laughs> Comes on TV every Groundhog Day. But it's a guy that just actually relives the same day every single day. And uh, finally there at the end, of course, he wakes up and realizes that uh, he's out of it. Well, th there's a sense in which uh, when, you, when, you're, when you forgive yourself, you can quit playing that. And it's not there. But let me tell you something, and I, I mean this all my heart. Satan will play that tape over and over and over until you forgive yourself. But you know, the only way to destroy that tape is to put it under the blood of Jesus. If you put it under the blood of Jesus, when Satan brings it to my mind, I just simply say, Satan, I put that under the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation, I believe it's 12, 11, 
that uh, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I tell people to do this all the time. Now, if you're home uh, at home by yourself, just walk around the house saying, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. By the blood of the Lamb, I have been forgiven. And just keep saying it until you believe it, because it's true. You are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, and the word confess, I've talked about this before, the word confess doesn't mean you simply tell God what you did. Because believe me, he knows what you did. But it means to agree with God about what you did. It's taking God's side. It's saying, God, I did this, and it was wrong. I'm not trying to justify what I did. I'm agreeing with you. I'm taking your side. What I did was wrong. That's what it means to confess our sin. And the Bible says that when, he, when we confess our sin, he says he remembers it no more. Well, if he remembers it no more, then we don't have to remember it because it's gone. So, but I, I tell people, just keep saying it until you believe it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you're telling yourself over and over, I have been forgiven, that's the word of God because the Bible says when we confess our sin, what? He forgives us. So it's a done deal. But Satan will hold that over your head to try to make you miserable for as long as you'll let him. Number four, self-forgiveness brings the, uh, frees us from self-punishment. I, I said that a while ago, but... Uh, there for a while after Carrie's death, I just beat myself up a lot. I felt like uh, I needed to punish myself. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I ever deserved to be happy again. She's not here to be happy. And I felt partial responsibility for her death, so if she's not here to be happy, then I have no, no right to be happy. So you'll look for ways to punish yourself when you don't forgive yourself. You'll think you deserve it. You'll ask yourself the question, will, I, will, will God ever bless me again? Does God still hear my prayers? What's, what that's called is self-condemnation. Uh, self-condemnation. You're, you're condemning yourself. What does the Bible say about condemnation? Paul says there's therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. What happened to that condemnation when we accepted Christ as our Savior? He took it to the cross. He took it to the cross. That sin we committed against someone that we can't forgive ourselves for, he took that to the cross. So there's no, no more condemnation. He took our guilt to the cross. He took our shame to the cross. So if he took all that to the cross and so we don't receive it, then he did something for us. In vain, didn't he? And to us, it's in vain. If, if we don't receive it, then what he did for us is kind of in vain. But it's not. The Bible says that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. The Bible says he's the, the accuser of the brethren. He loves to accuse us. Number seven, freedom to believe and receive the the Word of God again. I noticed that when I was uh, 
under all that condemnation and guilt, my preaching wasn't the same. My, my, my reading the Bible wasn't the same. I, I didn't have that same joy because of that, the burden, the constant burden of the guilt that I felt. And then one day I cry, when I was crying out to God, I said, God, you, you've got to help me. I, I can't, you know, the, the grief of her death is enough, but the condemnation I feel is overwhelming. And I've never heard God's voice, but I felt God speak in my spirit. And I felt like the Lord spoke in my spirit and said, read 1 John 1, 9. And what does 1 John 1, 9 say? We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says also that uh, when, we're un- when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Now, when you read 1 John 1, 9, you need to also read Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four says, And when you pray, believe that you have received it, and it will be granted to you. In other words, faith praying is believing that you receive it. Okay? Not will receive it, but you've received it. That's what it says. Let me read it again. And when you pray, believe that you have received it, and it will be granted to you. So when we won't forgive ourselves... It's purely a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in God's Word. Now, you're not saying it out loud, but what you're saying to yourself is this. I can't trust God's Word to be true. Because it's unbelief. We don't believe the Word. But we, that's, that's it. But we have to go back and just simply say, God, I believe that what you said is true. And the Bible says that when he forgives our sin, though our sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. Though it be red like crimson, it shall be as wool. In fact, the Bible says when he forgives our sin, he cast it from him as far as the east is from the west, never to remember it again. I think that's very significant that he threw it as far as the east is from the west. What if he had thrown it as far as the north is from the south? Think about that. See, okay, he's thrown it north. Uh Uh-oh, now it's going south again. Uh Uh-oh, it's going north again. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, it's going south again. The north will catch the south, and the south will catch the north, but the east will never catch the west. Once you start going east, you'll always be going east. The east will never catch the west. And listen to what he said. When we confess our sin, he throws our sin as far as the east is from the west. It'll never catch it. And when it comes up again, it's not because he's bringing it up. It's because the enemy's bringing it up. Number eight. Freedom to accept the fact that we're not perfect. That may come to a shock to some of you. I'm what? I'm not perfect? No. Sorry. In fact, John said, if we say we have no sin, we're a a liar and the truth's not in us. So we get down on ourselves because we're not perfect. We say things like this, "I, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. Well, get over it. You did. Okay? You did it. 
And guess what? You may do it again. But there's forgiveness. And there's grace. I think too many of us have unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. We get married with the idea that, you know, this person will never do anything wrong. They'll never violate the covenant. They'll never do anything wrong. Then when it happens, it just sort of takes us by shock. Guess what? That person you married is not perfect. That person you married is a sinner saved by grace. So... Don't put, those unex- don't put those high expectations on everybody because we're, we're going to fail. The Bible says all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. You see, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need a Savior, would we? But we're not perfect. We fall. We fall short. So... Let me tell you one of my favorite shows, and unfortunately there's some cursing in it, and I, when I get to that part, I just mute it. But my, probably my all-time favorite show is What About Bob? Anybody ever seen What About Bob? Raise your hand. Okay, we'll see it. But now right there at the beginning when he's talking to the psychiatrist, you need to blurp, blurp it because he's going to say some bad words because he says if you say it, then you won't do it. He'll fake a heart attack, you know, a stroke. But uh, it's a hilarious show. Uh, it's, it's, I just can't, I, in fact, I watched it again about, I probably watched it a dozen times. I watched it again about a month ago. It's about a Looney Tunes guy. I mean, he, Bill Murray's out there. And he, he you know, finally finds a psychiatrist that uh, he thinks can help him. And... Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is the psychiatrist, and Bill Murray is the nut guy. <laughs> but he goes to him, and then he feels like, you know, this guy can actually help me. For the first time, I really believe this guy can help me. But the problem is he goes on vacation. Now he's paranoid. He, he can't see him, and so he manipulates a way to find out where he's on vacation, and goes, he goes out there, and that's kind of the rest of the show. But here's what the psychiatrist does for him. He starts to write him a prescription, he, and Murray said, no, 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 I don't, I don't want any more medicine. Don't, please don't give me any more medicine. He said, no, I'm not giving you medicine. He said, here, take this and read it. I'm giving you permission to take a vacation from your troubles. He says, what? I'm giving you, as your, as your doctor, I'm giving you permission to take a vacation from your troubles. And all at once it hits him, hey, I can take a vacation from my troubles. And that lasts for a little while. <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying to you as your interim pastor, I'm giving you permission to forgive yourself. I'm giving you permission as your interim pastor to forgive yourself. And only you can do it. I can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you except you, but you can do it. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Here's what I do. 
When, when Satan brings that condemnation toward me about something I've done in my past, I remind him of his future. You know what you said, Satan, is true. That's in my past, and that's under the blood of Jesus. But let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to get thrown in the bottomless pit someday. Just remind him of his future. He doesn't like to be reminded of his future, but he, he knows it's coming. And then just start praising God. Just get you some good praise music and just start praising the Lord because he doesn't like to be around praise. Fill your house with praise. Turn, turn praise on. Put it on the CD. Listen to it. Listen to it all day. You have received forgiveness from God. You have received forgiveness for others. It's time for you to receive forgiveness for yourself. Let me give you three helpful hints. Uh, four, then we'll be done. Number one, um, state what it is that you feel like you need to be forgiven for. Not just some general thing that you, you may or may not have done, but just state, God, here's what I need. And maybe it's something you did or maybe it's something you didn't do. But state it. Be clear. This is what I need forgiveness for. Number two, make a decision. Make a decision. I am going to forgive myself. God has forgiven me. I've been forgiven by others. I make a decision. I am going to forgive myself. And then verbalize it. Um, you know, Satan's not omnipotent. He's not all present. And, but let me tell you something. He can hear what you say. Satan can hear what you say. And when he hears you say, by the blood of Jesus, I am forgiven, and I forgive myself, don't you think? He hears that. He'll say, I think I'll go torment somebody else. This person realizes that the blood of Jesus has forgiven them, and so I have no jurisdiction there anymore, so I'll go someplace else. Stop replaying that tape. Stop it. You know, God has uh, created us in such a way that we can't think of two things at the same time. You ever realize that? You really can't think of two things at the same time. So when that temptation comes up that you, about forgiveness, just start thinking about something positive. Think about the blood of Jesus that forgiven you. Th think about all the blessings that God has given you. So replace it, those thoughts and renew your mind daily in the Word. That is so important. That we get up in the morning and, and just, and I'll probably do these. I, people have asked me, somebody asked me the other day, you know, those things you say sometimes, this is the day the Lord has made, uh, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Do you have that written down anywhere up here? I don't have it written down on paper. But I'll tell you what I'll do, I will do it next Sunday. And it'll be taped and you can get it. Okay? In fact, let's just do it today. Then we'll do it again next Sunday. And we might do it the next Sunday. All right? There's something refreshing about the Word. So let's stand up. All right? Let's, let's just do it again today. We don't have to wait till next Sunday. Are you going to repeat after me with authority? You young people, speak it with authority so those people will, okay? This is the day the Lord hath made.
I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will lift up my eyes into the hills. From which cometh my strength. For my strength comes from the Lord. For in him I live and move. Have my very being. From him I receive. Every good and precious gift. That comes down to man. I am complete in him. Lacking nothing. I can do all things through him. Who gives me strength. O Lord our Lord. How majestic is thy name. In all the earth. For I sought you Lord. And you heard me. And you delivered me. From all my fear. Therefore, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will bless the Lord from this day forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Hallelujah. Amen. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? All right. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. All right. Uh, listen, we're going to sing a, a worship here song, and I'm going to be over here. If you're, if you're still having some struggles, and you say, you know, I'm still having some struggles, and, uh, Barry, would you pray for me? Yes, I'd love to pray for you. Any other struggle you might be having. You might be here today, and you say, you know, I... I don't know about Jesus. I don't know that I've ever really received him as my Savior. I'd love to visit with you about that. Maybe some other area. You may be physically uh, in need of prayer. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. Amen or oh me? Amen. The Bible says, any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And, and pray the prayer of faith over them, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So... We have not because we ask not. So as we worship, uh, I'll be here if you want to do it during the worship. Uh, Brandon and I will be over here after the worship. But if you need prayer today, there, there's, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. So come this morning and let's, let's pray together.